You are listening to Fika with Vicky on United Public Radio, 107.7 and 105.3 from New Orleans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fika. Returning this week is guest author author and Southern Conjuring witch, Taryn S. We didn't even come close to finishing our conversation during her last visit, episode 40, so she's back. And we're looking into her work, who do in the Psalms this time, as well as Conjuring Dirt, Magic of Footprints, Crossroads, and Graveyards. Taryn is not only a Southern Conjuring witch, but a proud Southern Conjuring witch. I'm bringing that up because last time I unwittingly fell into using y'all in our conversation, as well as some other distinctive speech aspects. When this was pointed out to me, I was horrified. Did I offend this wonderful woman of wisdom? I immediately apologized. But she was so gracious and told me a story about her y'alls and why she's so proud of them. She even loves having them spread around. And why wouldn't she be? They are a part of who she is, part of her past, part of her ancestry, part of the dirt she stands on. And there's much that we can learn from Taryn, not just a little something, something, but a whole lot of everything. Welcome back to Fika Taryn. Um, Thank you for your wisdom, time, and your sense of humor. That wasn't what I was going to say, but it's come up. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me back, Vicki. And uh, and as you stated, I love the fact when I walk out of a room and everybody else is saying y'all too. Um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I planted a seed of Southern, you know, <laughs> on it and everything. Um, I'm just so happy to be able to be back and to chat more um, about my books, about my practice, what I do. Uh, and everything you had brought up that we wanted to hoodoo in the Psalms, uh, and which is a book I wrote in 2019, but it actually took me seven years to compile that. That's book. how long I was wondering because you were working on it throughout throughout the book. You talk about working on it, and you were working on it and working on it. So seven years. It was well. It was never written as a book. Um, Hoodoo in the Psalms started out me researching my own grandmother. My grandma was a primitive Baptist, uh, and which is old school Baptist. It gets back into those uh, faith healings, feet washing, prayer healings. Um, it goes all the way back into our praise houses, our ring circles. And this is where we have that, that beautiful crossroads of... Uh, the enslaved black folks in the late 1700s, early 1800s were part of the primitive Baptist congregations. It wasn't until later on in the 1860s when a schism occurred where we started having the AMEs where black folk went and then we started having the Baptist and then later on the first Baptist and the Southern Baptist and then the free Baptist and then the independent Baptist. <laughs> it just goes on. <laughs> On and just kept going. And my grandmother was always very proud that we were primitive Baptist folk. And I didn't understand what she was saying. This was a lost history. I had no idea. I knew grandma liked her Psalms. I knew grandma had a prayer line on the phone where her phone would ring. And one of the ladies would say that, you know, Mr. So-and-so was at the hospital. And then grandma would go over to the table and she'd light this white candle and she would open up her book and start reading a psalm of healing. And I thought everybody's grandma did that. I didn't, you know, we don't know. We're, we're, you know, in our own bubbles. So it wasn't until later on when I was uh, working at uh, Nico's Botanica in Florence, South Carolina, a lot of practitioners are coming in using the Psalms. And myself, I have, you know, my own favorite Psalms, um, but I was seeing what my grandma was doing and these other practitioners. So I started asking questions. 
And it sent me down this amazing rabbit hole of understanding that we've been blending spirituality, um, you know, all the way back since when. And the the history of the Psalms, first of all, you know, the, the Psalms themselves are over 3,000 years old. They predate Christianity by over 1,800 years. The first Psalm that we have was written by Moses uh, in 1050 BCE. And then later on, King Solomon, which is attributed as the founder of the Jewish faith, who was also the father of modern occultism. He created the seal, the star of David, as above, so below. You hear that within a lot of our practitioners. But 73 of the 150 Psalms are attributed to King David. And then his son, King Solomon, who went on to do the seals of Solomon, to create a ring so powerful it could destroy any demon. All right, three of his psalms are in there as well. And as I started, you know, the layers peeling back, I kept finding more magic. And I told folks, you know, I, I want to, I want to know it all, so to speak. Um, so I started with Psalm one, and went through all 150 of them and definitely had a lot of input from the different magical practitioners that would come into the shop. We would have some very dynamic conversations about different ones. And as I, you know, that compiling this information, I made a comment to one of the ladies that, you know, this is becoming a love letter to my grandma. And she's like, no, darling, this is a book. <laughs> And laid her hands on the book and she was, you know, this book's going to be published. You don't have to worry about it. And I was like, okay. I love that part because how many writers would love to know that, right? <laughs> it's a done deal, girl. <laughs> and the actual part of done deal was I submitted it to one publisher. And the way the publisher was picked was done in the shop. We pulled out all these different publisher names and we did a little bit of something, something. And one of the ladies pulled out the piece of paper and it had moon books on it. And we said, this is a publisher that will publish it. And which is, which makes the whole story, like the story is a story behind a story and behind many stories. And, and, and it just, it just works out because I, I just find this whole concept fascinating. If it's not something that you are aware of, you know, there's so many distinctions now and so many different, this is this and this is that, and we do not cross. So the idea of having a spirituality that brings together the Psalms with, you know, the magic behind it, it is just, it's just an incredible thought. And I started thinking back, you know, in my past and pulled out the Bible that my grandmother gave me, you know, it, it, this brings out thoughts and it starts making you think about your past. If you have any closeness to any of those things and how this all came together. And it's just, it's an amazing work. Um, Taryn, it what? just it really is. What's really fascinating is the pre-Israelite nation was living alongside the Egyptians, the Phoenicians, the Assyrians. Um, who am I missing? The Canaanites. All right. And when you get into the Babylonians, um, these are all magical communities. All right. You know, the Egyptians left us a lot of their incantations. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's going on right in the middle of this. And there was already blending. We know from archaeological sites where we do see they were uh, monotheistic. They were Jehovah, um, God. And at the same time, they have these little altars of household deities. So they were blending it. Again, it's it's not as complex as people like to make it. Like once again, we're looking at and why I love your stuff. Um, kind of being a Steinbeck fan, kind of being you know all of that down to earth kind of thing is that we are once again looking at the magic of the working people. 
And we know when we're working, we don't have time to think, oh, that comes from that. So I don't use it. You know, the next door neighbor says, throw a little of this into that little water and have them drink it. And the baby's feeling better. Or, you know, why isn't that tomato growing? We don't care about the sources. We just mix them together till we find what works. And this is, this is and just. That's what they were doing. Yeah. You know, and then later on, as we see the shift out of our uh, uh, the the uh, European paganism into Christianity, again, like I was in Ireland, and it's really common to see the Celtic knots of eternity right beside the fishies, where fishes were the sign of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> For folks that don't know, they're like, "Why?" I was just gonna say, "Me, I was, I was following you, but I thought maybe we should, you know, <laughs> let others know." <laughs> they were blending. We've always been blending, and, uh, and I, I appreciate the purists that that are like, the, "This is the, this is how it should be done." We're holding on and creating this so that it has a legacy and it lasts intact. You know, I think there's a place for all of it. And, and if you're well, you know, no, there, you, called to adhere to a tradition strictly, then do it. But many of us stand in these crossroads that I love to talk about, you know, my own personal crossroads, my ancestral crossroads, my cultural crossroads, and my spiritual crossroads. I identify as a witch, but just because I look at at a different aspect of divinity, it does not cancel out the magic of the Psalms. It does okay. not cancel it oh. any of it. I can have both. No, exactly. We can we can have it all, people, regardless of what they say. And if anyone comes up to you and says there's only one way, just say, you know, what is it that you say? I'll put you on my prayer list. Yes. <laughs> And that's okay. Why? It's just because they're already coming with comments because nobody apparently will let me just talk to you. <laughs> okay. Ben says, and I'm going to try to sound like Ben when I say that. Oh, Taryn, nice to see you back on here. So, and thanks for watching Taryn. Ben? Thank you. What is it? For those who may not know, what is, what is, is a, a psalm? Oh, that's my heathen husband. <laughs> He's not believing in either. He just doesn't know any better. I mean, there was a time he... So, um, yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a good point, um, The Psalms are part of the Old Testament. They're one of our five original books. And the Psalms themselves are unique in that they are not the words of God, but they are the words of folks, the word people spoke to so God. So in the Bible. In the Bible, Yes. We have 150 of them, but we do know that there used to be more. Um, at one time, we supposed there was thousands of them. The Psalms were are translated as songs. It's songs to God. And there are two types of songs. They are our lamentations, where we're giving up our sorrows, we're giving up, uh, asking for strength, asking sometimes for forgiveness and acceptance. And then the other side of that is the incantations, the magic of the Psalms, where we're asking God to work on our behalf, are asking God to help us to move the universe a little bit from left to right. And uh, oh, I was going to say, they're beautifully written. They're they're poetic. If you're in Sunday school, those are the ones you want to remember. Okay, because when they're when they're handing out verses to memorize, those are the ones you want to memorize. Because, well, they I guess they were written magically. Yes, they were written magically. First, it was an oral tradition. We do know that the Psalms were in existence for a long time before they were ever actually written down. And at, they were meant to be sung. There was musical instruments. There's the speaking of the playing of the lyre uh, and different other instruments that, you know, to accompany your words. And in the Psalms, it, talk, it tells about the burning of herbs, the burning of incense, the giving of offerings, the lighting of candles. 
everything to work within the Psalms is in the Psalms. You just have to read the Psalms and it tells you, light my candle and I shall show you the way. Light my candle and I shall come unto thee. You know? I know once you point that out, you can't stop seeing it. Like I said, you, you pull out and okay, Brian has a comment or question. I'm putting everybody up because my I need a new prescription on bifocals. So, okay, Karen, perhaps you could share that something something spell to help all writers find an appropriate publisher audience. <laughs> of course, Brian, or even add one more layer to figuring out if our work is publishable. Oh my goodness, I so wish I could do it, but you have the magic was done in the moment with the group of practitioners in the shop. It's not so much you have if I told you what we said, that would only give you part of the magic. The magic was the people that had been there for those seven years with me and had worked through this project who knew my own story and that that, that particular woman, is a really well-known Myrtle Beach practitioner. Um, and those were her words, her passion, her magical breath that we all got to lean into. I would tell you to figure out what your own something, something working is and do it. And maybe invite a couple of friends over and dance around your book, throw up publishers' names in the air, uh, you know, I think everybody has the same magical ability as what we had in that moment, but we were very blessed to have an old practitioner guide us. So as you always say in life, you do you boo, you find what works for you. And in that moment, and those, those people, we should do it at writer's group, Brian. And then <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> And then, you know, we're all there. We all listen to each other's stories or whatever. We know the positive, the positive nature of that. Now, before, um, before we stop to answer some questions, you were getting into why, as in Brian's case, things need to be specific. I think that's where you were going, that you have to find your own divinity. Or am I wrong? Is that where we were heading? I, I fell off the train track. <laughs> conductor <laughs> you talk about the fact that we all have to find that divinity is within that mm -hmm. christianity put divinity in a box but didn't see it's hard to say some of the things you write without adding the accent <laughs> it's a trap <laughs> okay so christianity put itself in the box um, christianity put divinity divinity in the box divinity never put itself in the box that we all have to find what is us can you tell us a little more about that oh the the the, the divine is everything everything is divine i use the phrase the word divine divinity as a way of being respectful to everyone's personal relationship, whether it be God, gods, gods and goddesses, or even if it's the spaghetti monster. Um, <laughs> Some so days it's the spaghetti monster. <laughs> we all have those days where we give offerings to the spaghetti monster. Um, and he is a form of divinity, but the divinity encompasses everything and including us, we are divine by nature. We are part of mother nature. We're a part of the creation. I had a friend years ago tell me one of the best creation stories that always stuck with me and, and everything is that when that first spark of matter came into being, divinity was wrapped around it. And as the universe grew, so too did divinity. That's nice. And, and very, and very simply put is easily understood on a, on a lot of different levels. Uh, and that I think the fallacy is that you have to pick, you know, and, and the reality is, is that we're all complex creatures that are both a reflection of our past, our ancestral past, our regional past and our cultural past, but we also are in the moment with our own experiences and we're allowed to have both. We're allowed to be complex. You know, when I, sometimes people are like, what type of a witch are you? And I'm like, all of them. Well, <laughs> no, no. 
<laughs> I've been playing with different types for a while now. I think I'll do this. Oh, no, no, I want to do that. But you can't just say witch, Sharon, because that's so blasé. Everybody has a type. <laughs> well, again, I think that they're falling to that same... Um, that same fallacy that Christianity fell to where they put God in a box. I think we have to be mindful within witchcraft that we're not putting the witch in the box. Yeah. There's been too much of that done. So, so it, it, okay. Say for example, people like to come to your door and tell you about what you should believe. And my children always laughed at me because they're like, mom, you just, but whenever they talked and they would say whoever they were presenting, I would just in my mind fill in universe goddess or whatever. And we could have a very happy conversation. <laughs> and they could go on their way thinking, Oh, we saved her. <laughs> I'm beyond saving Taryn. <laughs> but it's, it's, if we did more of that without having to have the specific words, because a lot, everybody's sort of, looking at the same kind of thing as long as we're all doing it whatever it is and how you describe it you know um it's the my bundle bag is your mojo your mojo is my something something we're all doing magic but now i have to say something something because because <laughs> i love it so <laughs> and you said i could um yeah, <laughs> With when I first put that in, who do in the Psalms? Um, my my editor, Moon Books, is a London-based editor. Uh, so I'm having conversations, and he thought that something something was a mistake, and he kept taking out the second something. <laughs> so it was just like, and she did something. <laughs> and so I'm having to explain. That's not how I'm using these words. Something, something to us. If I say I'm doing something, something, that means you know that I'm either up to a lot of good or I'm up to no good. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> you know. And mm -hmm. and it and just putting something leaves a lot to the imagination, and some of our imaginations shouldn't be let off loose like that. <laughs> we didn't have the words for it. I think that is I'm so blessed that we didn't have the words like what you're saying folks get lost in categorizing qualifying justifying and having this list of words if it ain't on the list of words then I can't use it I didn't have that we didn't use a lot of the magical words the community uses you know we knew everyone was doing a little something something <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know what if it's for good or if it's bad but but that is exactly it it's like you talk about the baptist and then splitting here and there and and group dynamics just are not a positive things in most cases because then it's like okay everybody has to agree with this person in the group or have their own beliefs and then they can't just live side by side no i have to have a group where we eat pork chops on wednesdays at six o'clock right that's, that's uh, whereas you know human beings creatures we we're tribal by nature and we want to you know be in a group that we all like everybody and we do the same and at the same time we want to be different you know uh and when you're in i think magical practitioners uh we need to be outside of that dynamic and looking at the universe at its entirety uh, all of, you know, temples, churches, stupas, sacred groves, those are all beautiful places. And learning to see the sacredness in all of them opens you up to that wisdom, that magic that is out there for you. So perhaps one of the greatest blessings is what you showed while you were getting into this book and writing it is curiosity. The minute we shut off our curiosity, we have some form of prejudice that this is the only way we can't grow. And being willing to throw out long-held beliefs um, and, and looking at them differently. And all that, uh, I learn better, I do better. Right, right. And you to know, be wrong sometimes. Oh, I'm wrong a lot. <laughs> I just, I don't believe it. And, 
And I love it when it happens. Well, I, actually, I embrace it. Um, it's an opportunity for me to learn. And and get that curiosity going again. I, I, I just think curiosity is one of our, our greatest. I think uh, Corey Hutchinson uh, wrote the book New World Witchery. And in it, he discusses uh, traits of witches. And one of them, he says, the word that I love is that we have a sense of wonderment. The same, like, the you know, the curiosity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to be able to see the magic in order to figure out how it works, right? I just love that, that when I read it, I was like, yes, that's how I wonderment. And magic is created in passion and, and learning to bring those passions up and using them, you know, the other side of all of this, when we do, cause I know that in, in both my books, I do touch on the, the hexing and the cursing and working after midnight. And I was, you know, is, uh, you talk with our, our powerful, successful practitioners and they have a very strong moral compass. They have very strong ethical guides. Um, this isn't willy nilly. I do it because it makes me feel good. We understand we're part of the web of life. And at times there are consequences and being mindful of it and living right. Uh, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 90 verse two, which is teach me to number my days so that my, I may apply unto my heart wisdom. And what does that translate to is understanding you only get one go round. Do good. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> you have to just keep your mind. You only have one go around. And that is the same as doing good, taking chances, going for it, as they say, doing positive actions instead of and, and moving forward with the story instead of getting caught up in wanting to wanting to but we discussed last time about the individuals involved in this and their wisdom and their understanding and how um the gentleman you worked for papa i can't remember the name nico Nico. papa nico yeah would say to someone you need to go talk to this man or i need to go talk to this man let's use our words before we start waving our wands right (laughs) it's yes uh it's Magic is way down the list. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to go do a work. And no, my, I always have workings of gratitude going on around me. I have little small altars or little spaces where I have little things that I, I try to feed by standing in front of them, tidying them. Uh, lighting candles, uh, speaking to them. Uh, and for me, it's the, our altars should be filled with gratitude. That is, that comes up a lot in the book. I was going to, it's gratitude, gratitude, and gratitude, which really is magic making on its own when you're grateful for what you have and what people do and what you learn. It changes the energies around you. All of a sudden, doors that you didn't even know existed are opening. All right? It really works. If it didn't work, I wouldn't do it. No, no, because it is. (laughs) It is work. I was going to bring that up before. Magic is work. Like you say, if you go to the dollar store for your supplies, you get dollar store magic and so you should grow the herbs you know dry them do all of those things yourself and though they may be a passion and very meditative to do those things it's still work so and that's another one actually let me see here i think i actually might have this one i don't have memorized But I'm like, no, no, the, another one of uh, a verse based on what you said um, was Psalm 90, verse 17, where uh, the psalm is, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. 
and you are hearing the repeating of work. You must work at it. You must work for it. You must work being spiritual. You must work being magical. Ultimately, nothing comes easy. This no way. Wave 60 seconds and God likes me. And I think. It's very true. <laughs> I just quite enjoyed the way you put it. <laughs> But it's very true. And I think it's not even in this aspect with magic, God liking us or whatever. We have to start to do the work. Life is work. And that's not a horrible, horrible thing because while that's happening, we're learning stuff. It's keeping our minds off. You know, okay, we're going to get to evil. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's the old saying, idle hands are the devil's workshop. That doesn't mean you always have to keep your hands busy, but when your mind is not busy with something, it'll go places you don't want it to go, right? So, so um, you know, like, oh my gosh, remember when that kid didn't share his cookie with me when I was five? <laughs> I'm going to get him. <laughs> so, so that's, that's our stuff that we have done, depending on what kind of people we are. So your book is set up to address so many of those issues we have to work on, whether it's whether we're feeling jealous or so there's a little something, something, a little working for each of these things with the Psalms, like with what kind of plant to use, what kind of candles to use, what day to use it on and with the appropriate Psalms written underneath it. And I, I tell you, I'll sell some books there. Go buy the book and you show me <laughs> if there is a problem, except possibly getting a publisher, Brian, <laughs> that this book does not have a solution for. So it's like a checklist of things you should be checking up on yourself with. It yeah, Well, those are the Psalms. As, yeah. And they're what the working man was asking for, what we're still asking for. It hasn't changed. <laughs> You know, and things that we deal with, you know, where you were taught, we, we deal with envy, we deal with jealousy and understanding, uh, you know, that that's, that that's, is a form of evil. That is something that we need to address within ourselves. Both, both receiving jealousy from others and being jealous ourselves. Like these things always go two ways. Now, on that subject, Vicky's going to ask you this little question. <laughs> this little tiny universal question. Taryn, what do you believe evil is? When you talk about evil in the book, what are you talking about? Um, the envy, jealousy, greed... Th those are my personal, you know, evils of, of, of life, I guess, where I see, you know, those as being what is the downfall of mankind. <laughs> negative, the, the negative actions that people, the, the negative, which doesn't mean that you can just get rid of them. You just say, oh, I'm feeling a little jealous. Why is that? And how can I smarten up? Right. And under also, that's where we talk about embracing our shadows. Mm -hmm. um, because, uh, you know, jealousy is not bad. Jealousy is a motivator. It, it makes you want to get out and do and you're going to go acquire, or you're going to go learn, you're, you're going to go uh, out there. All right. Um, and so that's a really good thing. But jealousy out of balance is bad. You know, and that's, again, greed itself is not a bad thing. We all should carry a level of greed. That's what puts groceries in our cabinets. But being greedy is when you're taking beyond what you need. You know, and it's the same you can say with all of them. Envy is another one. Envy on its own is fine. You know, you can be envious of something in a very balanced and healthy way. So if somebody has a life you want, you don't be, and you find yourself being envious, aside from doing the spell, the spell, you can find one, the spell, the working, um, you, you can find 
what it is that you like about their lives and try to replicate that in yours. It's like a shopping list. Right. And where envy is out of balance is where you're looking at that person full of envy and then you sit down and start writing crappy comments on their social media platform. Yes. Which means that there was a couple of... Envious, <laughs> you're jealous out of balance, and it creates these things create a lot of harm. I agree. I I, I also throw control, the need to control, which is fear, yes, um, in, into that into that pile as well. But I found because for mm. me, I look through these, I look through these workings, and thought, me, 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 me. <laughs> but sometimes a little ego is important. <laughs> Another, yes. We shouldn't carry pride. We should all have pride, but we have to be mindful of being prideful. Right, right. It's balance always, as you said. Mm -hmm. So there was a working for what to do when people lie about you, which is very hurtful because that is your story. That is your story and your presentation of your story. And, and you know, you get to a certain age, and I feel like I've, I've gotten over that, whatever, just let it flow. But you never know when it's going to bite you. <laughs> it's going to upset you. And um, and when the line for, for that one, um, I want to quote this or whatever. That was at the beginning of the whole evil section was those who consider themselves re religious and yet do not need keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless now that comes from james but still still very very relevant in here you're causing a lot of trouble with stuff like that you can affect people's um livelihood you can affect their other relationships just because you're feeling a little bad that day and and can't filter so there is just a whole lot in 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 this book that is helpful like taryn it just it just it just it just covers everything so and in and like each one i'll take here so um for that for that working uh why is it okay so um you can work that on all days. Now, how, <clears throat> was there a way you found out which days? Like, if the Psalms said an exact day, would you say it's best to do that working? <clears throat> that is that the day? optimal day. Um, going back into, because understanding, like I was talking earlier, that uh, King David and King Solomon are our founders of Western occultism. And going through there into Cornelius Agrippa's Three Books of Occult Philosophy is where we find the charts. And what we see is that there are, um, they didn't call God, God, first of all. That's where people get a little confused. God actually has 72 names in the Bible. All right. Um, they had aspects of God. They had a God of strength, a God of mercy, a God of war, a God of justice. You know, there's this whole list of how many gods can you have? Um, because they knew God was everything. Divinity was all. And they wanted to relate to one aspect. They wanted to call on this one particular part of God. They wanted the God of justice. They wanted the God of mercy. They want the God of healing. And so each psalm itself is attributed to an aspect of God. And it was through there that you slowly start peeling back the layers of the psalm and finding that uh, those active verses. And then from there, understanding that aspect, if it's like, you know, an aspect of strength, then we would typically work that aspect on a Wednesday. <laughs> and so going with, uh, yes, no, no, I, 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 I get it. I, mm -hmm. It just took a lot of thinking there to keep up with. <laughs> so I had to be quiet. <laughs> okay. And then there's an incense that goes along with it, mm -hmm. and there are recipes for the different incense, what what herbs to do with with what. Then there is the herb, the type of candle, the oil that you should use, and others. And that would be the seal of Solomon in some cases, the, yes. the seal of, of, of different things. So a different, and it's all there under each little title. So should the need arise, you can just go and then <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Stop being envious, Vicky, <laughs> and get to work. Um, 
you know, and, and do the working. So it's, it's very clear cut with a lot. I mean, these, the moon books in general, people think are not that big of books, but they are like recipe books for like this world. Like they have all the information you need right there. And if you're of little patience, like I am, I love to have them because I can just go, there we go. There it is right there. And then look further into it. But it gives you. I didn't write who, who, who doing the Psalms is actually within the Grimlock tradition of a recipe book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what it is. I I, I didn't set out to write a book. I compiled a series of workings that slowly developed and then standing there with this stack of papers and like, oh, what do I do next? Uh, <laughs> and you were told, yes. So yeah. this this is wasn't so it was and, a different and, way of coming at yeah it. yeah. There's 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 no time that Taryn sat down and said, "I'm going to write a book and I'm going to make this money." And Stephen King, watch out. Um, <laughs> She, uh, <laughs> she is a lover of yes you're you're you are writing what you know to help others and this is what she's she wanted to do was to help others and 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 fulfill your own curiousness and and find the answers to this like what if there was magic for all 173 sums are we saying um thousands but 150 we have 150 known psalms so are, are recognized canonized right and there's and none of that none of that <laughs> working through 150 psalms takes times like seven years but dedication during that seven years too i i would think it right it, it was uh it needed to be that long for the right people to walk in for me to learn things and to be able to go back into it uh and so I'm grateful. Again, I, I tell folks, I'm not a writer. I'm a storyteller. Yes. That happens uh, to be an, a wonderful, wonderful storyteller. Um, but, but writers are, can be storytellers, too. Yes. But writers are so much more creative than I am. <laughs> <laughs> See? Yeah. Okay. We're going to do... We need to get something in there for imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> the writing clubs and you have an outline and, and you know where you're going yeah, no 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 they they come at it all different ways Taryn. Right. you are you are the way you talk about in your books i am there when you talk about the botanica i am there i am seeing those women i'm thinking would i get the good rum or the cheap rum <laughs> spirit <laughs> I see you walking with your grandmother, you know, on a hot summer day, just taking your time and, you know, the flies and the bees buzzing around you and the flowers. You just, you're what I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, you are a writer, well, but thank in- you. I will <laughs> stop saying it then and tell people that I can honify, you know. Because um, like people listen to me. <laughs> Vicky says I'm a writer and they're like what who but no <laughs> you are well you know the 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 southern sitting on a porch telling stories and and that's for me was was hearing the stories and then later on being able to tell stories and it I do love the joy it brings to people uh, and over the years, I have embraced where I live, my history. I love it, you know. Um, and when I, you know, walk down the streets of Charleston or Savannah or New Orleans, um, I'm a walking tour guide. Um, quite literally, I end up with people around because I start talking. <laughs> Oh, and they will follow that voice. I would follow that voice. <laughs> Where, you know, um, I'm like, who are these people? And they're like, oh, we were just listening. Where are you going next? You know? <laughs> but to be able to walk those streets gives so much depth to my own personal magic, my passion, my connection to divinity. And knowing that I'm a part of it all. 
You know, that, uh, it just, I don't, it gives me a warm fuzzy. Uh, I get to be part of all of the funky gumbo complexity of, I don't know what you call it. Not a one in it. I don't know, but I'm smelling it. Maybe I'm just smelling the gumbo. <laughs> No, I'm getting all these spices and everything and it is it it brings out the passion and the gratitude the gratitude the happiness of being alive like I and that's think what's about for folks I hope all of my books all of my writings inspire people to be happy with where they're standing I, I don't want you to move to the south I wouldn't mind you coming and visiting but our our house prices are <laughs> no but don't you know it's why I think people move all over the world, but at some point I've noticed as I get older that when other people get older, they move back. There's something about moving back to to that place that you were born, where you do know. And, and it is kind of exhausting sometimes to be traveling in that because every time you go to a place, you're looking for the best place to get a coffee. You're looking for the best, you know, as opposed to knowing it. So, but what your stories do is, um, is, you know, those times of sitting on the porch, sitting at the kitchen table, you know, sitting by the fireplace, where this magic, where these, the, the magic coming down through the stories and you can see why you know it was important that so and so got his because of what he did here in the story as we were talking you know those aren't there so books like these give that to us give us that that and and it, and it really is it really is a good thing Taryn and you're a writer okay Brian say writers often put their negative stuff into their stories as a form of therapy does this mean that our writing is a sort of spell making some stories after all weave their way into our mind so you know oh. how the story's just there the author can't say how did it get there is that a form of magic oh it has to be i, I think I so think so uh, uh I couldn't see it not being. It's a form of manifestation. You're creating it. And all those little aspects have their way of working out. Yes. Um, that's why writing is so healing then, even if it's fictional, because yes. it's a part, it's, it's a part it, of your story. You get to release some of those darker shadows into your story. And so it's almost a type of spiritual cleansing for some folks, I would assume. Well, you know, I can't remember which one, but there was a writer that said, if you're not crying, it's not worth writing. And I think even mm -hmm. that, that can be tears of happiness, that can be tears of joy, yeah. reminiscence, sadness, you know, if it doesn't affect you emotionally to your core, then... Yes. You know, my... Uh, Conjuring Dirt started as a story. It started as me telling the story of going to Bonaventure Cemetery um, and about little Gracie and giving offerings when my granddaughter was born in Beaufort, right down the street from right, right. Um, the area. And I was telling folks sitting around and people were really interested and were like, oh, Taryn, tell her the story. Oh, tell her the story. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to write it down so I don't have to keep <laughs> telling it to y'all. <laughs> um, but that that is what started Conjuring Dirt was that initial story of Gracie. And then, because Conjuring Dirt was another one, that was a two and a half, three year journey for me where uh, to write it out, you know, and to get the stories and then to get the information that I felt I needed around it. And there was sometimes just waiting until something happened. Somebody would say something. I'd be out dancing around a full moon. And all of a sudden I felt, you know, like the goddess slapped me in the forehead. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to go write this down. Um, and just allowing it to happen. Um, I think. A lot of writers, when I do listen to folks and they'll ask me, you know, they're, they're, and they have this sense of urgency that I don't understand. To get the book done. Where it's like, let the book finish itself when it needs to. Um, 
that is a lot of conditioning though and some people are people like that have to get things done right now or they forget them or they feel like they're go away and there's never been a chance um i'm 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 happy to hear you say this term because i started a book uh <laughs> during COVID and you know it's, 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 it's great but it's just there but for you I feel like you are living your book like I feel like Conjuring Dirt is a memoir more than anything that's how I saw it. and these were this was the magic that came to you that was needed as you went along which is how anything builds so mm -hmm. ideas like that wisdom I think that's why there's so many older writers now starting because they need a place to put those years and what they learned yes back to you write it down so you don't have to keep telling it over and over mm -hmm. uh, and and it is a, that form of legacy yes yes you're, you're leaving a piece of yourself for the coming generations yeah uh, like you said there isn't a storytelling on the porch anymore at the kitchen table so there isn't a place to put it you know and maybe it's better this way because sometimes you're getting told a story when you're younger you just want to go play ball right so like it doesn't you know well that's so true i mean my, <laughs> my grandma died when i was 24. so i remember enough of what she was doing but like you're saying for the time period i didn't ask questions it just didn't occur. It wasn't told, you know, later on when I'm in my 40s, 50s, and now as I'm in my 60s, I'm like, oh, I wish I could have asked her this question. You know, we're I listen to a lot of the stories per se that I look back thinking, why did I not listen to what she was doing? Because you're a kid. <laughs> because I was a kid. And it yes. was actually, it was, there was some of my fragments because she had a, a jar of buttons. And I never really quite understood why my grandmother had a jar of buttons. And in a lot of our folk magic traditions, it is the use of everyday ingredients. And going back into the time... Um, I had another conjuring woman come into the Botanica and uh, we were chatting and she goes, two buttons and a bead is all you'll ever need. And a little red thread helps. And I have my grandma's jar of buttons. I went home and dug up in the attic. I opened up that jar of buttons and there was a the little thing, a red thread on top. See, now this is chill making. And I was like, I felt like I got a little piece of the puzzle into what, what it was about. But it's, you know, those everyday ingredients. At times we do get lost in our, our list of ingredients of, you know, using things. But conjure at its core is about making something out of nothing right transforming trans which we all so if you find something if you want things to flow smoothly and there's a block you could always use a sieve to have whatever that item does can be relayed into the magic right did i get that right oh, yes <laughs> okay i get a gold yes. star from Taryn. <laughs> um <laughs> Someone's going to have to move somewhere because these conversations never last. <laughs> you're you're going to have to come down here to Charleston and visit me. <laughs> and we um, do. So I, I, oh, I, I wanted to just touch on, we talked about a little before about the crossroads, which I didn't get to ask last time. But for people that know me and think, oh, why is she so passionate and over here and over there and always curious about things and seeing, you know, whatever this show will be like you, Brian. I mentioned to Taryn, because I was curious, I do live on a T-shaped crossroads. And Taryn, for people like me in this unusual situation, what did you tell me? <laughs> well, that's what we were talking. It's a place of where uh, you're typically going to be a step ahead of people because you're in the crossroads seeing it as it's going on. 
Whereas people, other people on a straight line have to wait for it just one aspect. Three always gives us another choice. Uh, Three-way crossroads are really powerful because you typically never have an either or choice. You always have a third way that, you know, unlikely, oh my gosh, against the odds. And a lot of times in three-way crossroads, it sets us up for magical synchronicities. It is a really powerful crossroads to, to be on. Um, to live on one, like I was, I said to Vicky that the big caveat I would give is stay grounded. You need to know who you are before you start embracing all of this, or else you're going to get carried away to far off lands and we'll never see you again. And that, <laughs> some people would hope for that, Terry. <laughs> But and, and I will say that at the beginning of moving here, I was overwhelmed. And even like, you know, getting into what books to read or where I have spent years of just like, oh, look at that, look at this, look at that <laughs> over here. And where do they go? And I realized, oh my goodness, if I'm going to do that, maybe what I should be doing is sharing a little bit of this and a little bit of that and, and, and showing people what I see is so wonderful about it which is what what we're doing here but that explains a lot yeah. <laughs> so thank you crossroads are not always evil they can have great great side effects but you just need to have know how to handle them like everything you have right? to have like you're saying that sense of self know your name come into it authentically all right um Crossroads are liminal spaces. They are neither nor. A liminal space is something that is twilight, which is neither daytime nor nighttime. It is that edge between the, the ocean and the sand, that froth area that's changing back and forth so fast, and you have to pay attention to stay in it. But in liminal spaces is where the impossible becomes possible. It's where things happen. The little crack, the veil is at its thinnest. There's all sorts of phraseology for it. But liminality shows us choices that you may not have known were available. It gives us opportunities, again, that you may never have thought are possible. Um, they are not evil, or nor are they good. They just are. They are not part of the, the roads coming into them. A crossroads stands on its own. And over time in history, what's so amazing about the crossroads is we have just as many positive associations as we have bad associations. Here in the South, we have the devil at the crossroads, the dark man. You know, and the dark man can teach you, can master you a skill if you're cunning enough to work with him. If you are not, then he's going to sweep you away. You know, he whatever your desire, you're going to get in that backlash of ways. Um, in Conjuring Dirt, I give the story about Robert Johnson, who was one of the greatest jazz players that ever played guitar guy he's uh attributed you know with uh the beginning of jazz the beginning of rock and roll all of that music is robert johnson made a deal on the crossroads and said he wanted to be the best guitar player he ever could he ended up putting out a couple of singles and then he died under mysterious circumstances never even hearing his song on the radio and a couple of years ago, he was inducted into the Music Hall of Fame world. And several artists, uh, Elvis Presley, um, others have attributed him as a very large influence on their lives. He never got to see all the fame. He never That's got to enjoy it. Not one bit. That's the devil at the crossroad for you. You know? Um and so we have that, but on the, the other side of it, we have the goddess Hecate, and which is one of our oldest protectors of the crossroads, where you go to the crossroads to receive a blessing so that you are protected on your travels. 
So who you see at the crossroads very much determines the energy you yourself bring into it. If all you've got is foul and filth around you, I would assume that's what you're going to find in the crossroads 10 times fold, you know? And if you're going in for protections and offerings and, you know, standing in the light of Hecate, that's what you're going to experience. There's room for all of it. So it's you do you, boo, and it's all up to you. That is Taryn's wisdom. <laughs> to the thing. And I'm not moving off the crossroads now. Now, <laughs> now I've got it figured out. <laughs> so, Taryn, um, you are working on another book. We won't mention his title. Yes, I have a working title. Um, but what happened was Conjuring Dirt, there was things that didn't quite fit. And realizing that there was this other volume two of Conjuring Dirt laying there. And I guess I'm working on it. And as I was talking earlier, I'm not a very fast. <laughs> so you may have to wait a year or two or three. We'll wait. <laughs> It'll be, I'm well worth waiting for on it and it's just a continuation of conjuring dirt uh, a lot of the southern conjure the stories and some more different places that i've been that again just didn't quite fit the vibe of conjuring dirt uh and you know that was something else is don't be afraid to if it ain't working get rid of it <laughs> You know? Yeah, and put it somewhere else. There's there's yeah. always a place for it. Because um, I took the stories apart a couple of times and put them back together before. I really did oh. narrowed in on those three sections of I'm dealing with footprints, I'm dealing with crossroads, I'm dealing with graveyards. So um, now you have to write up workings for editing, being being strong enough to get rid of those parts when you put your heart and soul into them. That's I took them and put them over in a little folder. <laughs> <laughs> and then, voila, a new book. And left them there to see if, if they just need to be words that I needed to speak to the universe. If these, you know, um, that, it, that it was just between me and the universe, or am I going to develop this further? Uh, and so I went back uh, uh, several months ago and started opening them up, working with it. And, and then I was able to lay out my three sections with them. I don't know why they're working in trifactors. That's just what well, happened. Well, three is a magical number, right? Right. So, it just know. happened that way. And this book as well is those three divisions and me being able to start working with them and enjoying the process of it. Because uh, it's all, it's life. It's it's your life ultimately. You're taking up time in your life, so enjoying it should be important. Yes, and, and I, I, I that's where I'm like, don't get caught up and you have to finish it. I guess I don't know. The books come when they need to come. You're gonna write it when you need to write it. Don't okay, don't get it. caught up in finishing. I'm I'm writing that down. <laughs> Darren says you so much stress <laughs> on yourself that you, you, you almost close that down. I, well, I, it, that's what happens to me. I stop. Where right? I, yes. I've talked with several writers. It's I'm halfway through the book and I, I just can't finish it. Well, you probably need to get back in it, tear it apart, put it back together again and find the missing part. Or there's something in your life you still have to live. Are to, some, to experience some books they're they're not it's not the story for everybody but it's the story that you needed to tell yes and yes so well that's you be okay with that i have a, quite a few stories and files that will never ever be published nobody will ever read them but they're still my story writing is healing no matter what you do with it that's right. I think yes. that is that is the thing. So just do it like you did and see where it goes. Okay, Taryn, we have to say goodbye. I don't want to say goodbye. You are welcome back anytime. Um, you can also catch Taryn on her YouTube channel, which has been like going past here, but it's not going to be there now that I want to read it. <laughs> 
house of witchcraft yes she created that the house of witchcraft with taryn s and best of luck on everything you're doing you want to come back and talk sometime just give me a shout okay we're <laughs> Definitely, we'll have to look up what her schedules in the coming months. Um, I love to sit and chit chat with folks, um, and hopefully, folks feel a little bit inspired by a couple of my words. You know? I think so. I think they. I think they're folks. Be inspired. Okay. <laughs> I said. All right, Sharon. You take care, and Bye. and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. And Bye bye. And I have. <laughs> okay i'm just going to turn the comments off and there we go another lovely conversation with taryn s um the rest of you i will see you next time next week until then may your coffee be hot and your story sweet thanks for listening everyone mm -hmm.